Well, take your Bible, please, and turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Those of you at home, God bless you. I uh, hope you were able to have communion with us. And uh, now we're getting into the, the meat of the word, uh, 1, 1 John chapter 3. And uh, we're continuing with uh, the message that we started uh, last week. And uh, I had intended on finishing it today, but at the early service, we only got halfway through that message. So it looks like we're going to go into a three-Sunday thing, if that's okay with everyone. But uh, we get into this, keep in mind that John is addressing the church regarding how to live, what to do, how to interact with the world and with the church now that we've given our hearts to the Lord. So 1 John chapter 3, I want to start reading at verse number 13. And remember, keep in mind that verse 13 comes after the previous section, which was about how Jesus is the chain breaker. He breaks our chains. He's looking for a little cooperation with us. But look at, look at chapter 3 and verse number, uh, verse number 5. Jesus was manifested to take away our sins. In verse number 8, uh, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so we talked all about that the last couple of weeks. He's a chain breaker. He's looking for some cooperation. And so we're running with the Lord. But the very next thing that John says is in verse number 13, which I commented last week, I think is a little unusual. But he says in verse 13, after all of that, right, after all of that, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we, are, we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. Father, Lord God, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray right now that any, any distraction would be eliminated. Any, any thought, any preoccupation we may have with something else, we pray that that will be eliminated. And we'll give full attention to your word today. Holy Spirit, come, teach us what we need to know. Lord, anoint my mind and my heart and my lips to bring forth the word of God that in such a way, Lord, that you will be magnified and glorified and honored 
and that the people of God and others that hear this message will be convicted in a positive way to draw closer to you. Lord, bless this congregation, bless those on the live stream, and bless those later in the week that will be watching this uh, from their home later on. So thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Well, last week we had a a verse-by-verse study of these particular verses. We call that exegesis, where we divvy up the Word of God, get into it. And uh, today I'm supposed to give you the rest of the message, but like I said, uh, I'm going to give you half of the rest of the message. But if you notice a couple of things, first of all, in verses 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, there's the use of the word brethren quite a bit. And I want to clarify what he's saying here. Uh, verse number 13, do not marvel my brethren. He, he could have used the phrase my little children like he did before, but he's referring to the church. Uh, do not marvel, church, uh, if the world hates you. Uh, verse 14, uh, we know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. We love our fellow Christians. Uh, so and then uh, number 15, uh, whoever hates his Fellow believer, his brother, his fellow believer is a murderer. That's a no-no with a capital N. Uh, Verse number 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, uh, for the brethren, for the church, for the body of Christ. We should lay down our lives for one another. That's what he's saying. And then verse number 17, uh, whoever has this world goods and sees his brother uh, or brother or sister in Christ and, and, and shuts up his heart, etc., etc. So he's referring to love within the body of Christ. And when he says brethren, he's including sistren. So just to clarify, uh, in the culture, that's how they did it. But when we say brethren, we're talking about the body of Christ. And uh, if you look up at verses 10 and 11, and uh, we spent a little time there last week and the week before, but in verse number 11 in particular, uh, he, John says, this is the message that you've heard from the very beginning, that we should love one another. And I'm so taken by the idea that John, who wrote this, probably, what did we say, probably 30, 40 years earlier, was at the table when Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. All the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And all this time later, John is reiterating what he, hear, what he heard from the beginning, that we are called to love one another. And then verse number 10, uh, it gives us another aspect or another, I, I call it a distinguishing quality of being a Christian. The first uh, distinguishing quality is to love the brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to love each other, church. Hello? Is anybody there? Anybody at home? We're called to love each other. That should get a little reaction. But not only that, in verse number 10, we have this differentiation between a child of God and a child of devil. A child of the devil does not live a righteous life and doesn't love his brethren. But the, the converse of that is true, that if you're a child of God, you live a righteous life and you love your brothers and sisters. So both of these qualities... I just want to talk about them for a minute. Both of these qualities have an inner aspect and an outer aspect. Uh, if, we, if we live righteously, let's say, we have an inner witness that we know we're living righteously. I mean, when we're living right, when you're living right, don't you know you're living right? Don't you have a conviction in your heart that yeah, I'm doing the right thing? And, and at the same time, when you're not living right, don't you feel conviction? That's the Holy Spirit. So there's an inner witness 
And there's an outer witness as well, because people around you will see you and hear you and and discern you and experience your life and know that you're not living righteous by your lifestyle. So there's an inner witness and an outer witness. Just like loving the brethren, there's an inner witness in our heart when we're at peace with each other and everything's good. We know that everything's well. But the opposite is that is just as true. When there's a problem with somebody and there's, you're dealing with people, you know in your heart of hearts. No one may know, but you know because you can't go to sleep at night. It's driving you crazy. And you have this inner thing going on. You have to get this straightened out. In the same way, there's an outer witness because those around us will know. They will see. They will feel the tension that we have among each other. Romans 12, uh, verse 18. I love this scripture. It says, uh, if possible... As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. I like how, how he gives a little escape there. Like, if it's not possible, if you're doing all you can, it takes two to tango, in other words. But if you're doing all you can, you know, you, you do all you can to live at peace. If, if they don't want to, then, then that's on them, but you're okay. But, you know, try to live at peace. So John, John raises these issues, I think, in this passage that I think are very important uh, uh, for us to think about once we've been converted to Christ. And I say converted because uh, for a long time in my life, I thought that was, that was too strong of a word. Well, let me, I thought it was too strong of a word for me because I never thought I needed to be totally converted because I was basically an okay person before. But after a little while, I realized how wrong that was to think. That I was converted. And we're converted when we go from dark to light. I thought that phrase was reserved for people in foreign countries that never heard the gospel and were you know, way out in left field. But no, anyone who comes to Christ is converted. We have a conversion. But now that we're converted, how do we live? And, and what do we do? You know, how, do we, how do we live this life in the world and in the church as well? So I t- entitled the message, The Christian Way. And I want to talk about a few things before I talk about what I wanted to talk about. But the Christian way is not a worldly way. It's not a selfish way. It's not a self-serving way. The Christian way is a way of sacrifice. It's a way of humility before God and before people. The Christian way is a way of eternity. Eternity is never far from our thoughts and our actions. Everything in Christianity has an eternal perspective. Those lights over there have an eternal perspective. For our missionaries, for the thousands or millions of people that they will reach over there, there's there's eternity at stake. And so the Christian way is not just here and now, it's, it's forever. The Christian way is a way of dependence upon God for everything. Jesus said in Matthew 6, you can't serve God and wealth at the same time. You know, either you're going to be sold out for one and hate the other or whatever, but you can't serve two masters. The Christian way is an absolute way. If you're halfway in it, it doesn't count. There's no benefits if you're halfway in the Christian way. But if you're in 100%, there are eternal benefits, and there's benefits here on earth as well. So I want to, I want to give you two of these four aspects that I, the Lord put on my heart now a couple of weeks ago. But as we look at verses uh, 13, we'll look at verses 13, uh, probably through uh, 18 this morning. But the first thing I want to bring to your attention is verse number 13. And the question I have for the church is, and those of you on live stream is, where do I stand in the eyes of the world? 
I mean, verse 13, I don't know about you, but it strikes me. This is a heavy statement. You come to Christ and now the world's going to hate you? Whoa. I have to think about that for a minute. But where, where are you in the eyes of the world? In other words, the world system, the world view, the world of the unredeemed. Don't marvel if the world system hates you and what you stand for. Well, why? Well, there's a different system. There's different values. There's different priorities. There's different interests. I remember so clearly when uh, Pamela, Pamela and I were relatively new Christians and we moved back to New York from North Carolina and we started going to a church and they had their midweek services on Friday night. And that was unusual, I thought, but many of us in the church were, would say to each other, can you believe we're in church on a Friday night? Because we would never be in church on a, we'd never be in church anyway, but especially on a Friday night. But now we're in church Worshiping God, studying the Word of God on a Friday night. It was a glorious moment. And now we, we get to this point where we're in church on Sunday mornings. And so so the, the Christian way is a different way. It's a difficult way, actually, I would say. Jesus called it a narrow way, or it's the narrow road. The road to destruction is wide, but the road to eternal life is narrow. Anyone could go on the wide road, but only those with a sold-out heart could navigate life on the narrow road. And the world is not designed, is not conducive for the Christian, uh, the Christian walk or the Christian worldview. I mean, in a way, it's not they, they're incompatible, but in another way, because we're incompatible, it makes us stronger. So the way of the unredeemed, the world would say, indulge your flesh, please yourself, feed your flesh, and don't worry about anything else. Whereas Jesus says, deny yourself, die to yourself, live unto me, he says. And so I, I see that there's what I would call a holy tension right here. There's a tension between this idea that, you know what, every one of us has a need to be loved and a need to love somebody else. We all have it. If you ever never thought about it, think about it. We all have a need to be loved and respected and appreciated, and we all have a need to give that love to somebody else. But it seems that many Christian people will look for that love in the world of the unredeemed that is basically incapable of giving that love. So Jesus' example comes into play here in my mind, in my heart. That in Luke chapter 2, we read, remember when Jesus was 12, he was left behind in the temple? And it says that he, he began to, uh, he grew in favor with God, and he grew in favor with man. I like that, you know, growing in favor with God and with, with men. So you get the idea that in, in his youth, Jesus was respected, he was loved, he was well taken care of and all that. But by age 33, when he started teaching and preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God, well, sinners loved him, but the religious people hated him. And at the end of his life, there was no one there to really stand with him. And I think he sets an example for us in verses 13 and 14. We all have this need to be loved and, and accepted and, and uh, you know, appreciated. But I think what he's saying here is that you're never going to find that in the world. That's why there's so much emphasis on love being in the body of Christ. We're supposed to be getting it from here. 
You see the difference? So in the world, there'll be tribulation. But in the body of Christ, that's why all throughout Jesus' teaching, the epistles, etc., love one another. Love one another. So John 13, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Love one another. Because what you need, you can't get from the outside. The outside world is not capable of giving you what you need to flourish as a person. That kind of love comes within the body of Christ. So Jesus said a couple of things here, though. When I, when I read this and study this, I, I realize how exclusive our faith is. But the question remains, where do you fit in the world? How do you, where do you stand in the world? Jesus said in John 15, If the world hates you, don't be surprised. They hated me before they hated you. James says, if you're friends with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. That's a pretty heavy statement. James 4, 4 also says that the Holy Spirit within you yearns within you because he's a jealous God. He's jealous when you don't give 100% to the Lord. So the question is for the church today is where do you stand in the world? Because by nature of being a Christian, we must be different than the unredeemed. Are you too comfortable? Is there no difference in how you live and how your unredeemed friends or family lives? If that's the case, we have a problem. But we have the Word of God to bring correction to us. But like I said, the chain breaker is here, but he's looking for a little cooperation. But see, if we're too comfortable in the world, if you can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian based on their lifestyle and their demeanor and their attitude and whatnot, what's, there's a problem. Because Christians are not perfect by any means, but we're redeemed by the blood and we're called to stand apart. You know the saying that if you were brought before a court of law, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Or would the judge say, you're not guilty, go your way. I want to be guilty of being a Christian. But our values, our beliefs, our lifestyle, our worldview, all has to be tempered by the work of Jesus Christ. It makes us different. And here we are living in this unholy, ungodly place to be a witness for the Lord. And that's exactly why every single thing we do is important. I don't know about you, how you feel about Friday night was a mission celebration. celebration. To me, that was very valuable to, to be here. If you couldn't be here to watch it on live stream, just support it. Put your money into the missions uh, giving and just support. That, that's making a statement that this is valuable. Whereas other people would say, well, what's the big deal? It's no big deal. It is a big deal. Everything's a big deal. I'll even go as far as to say being in church right now is a big deal. Being on live stream right now is a big deal. You're doing the right thing. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself. Yes, I know all about the culture we live in, but the culture is a little bit rotten, if you ask me. The Christian culture says, put God first, and all these other things will be added to you. So we're running after God, but see, in the, in the worldview, where do you fit in this? Are you, are you like camouflage? No one knows you're a Christian? So let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Well, Romans 12, 2 says this, a great scripture. Man, so clear. Do not be conformed to this world. Right there, man. Don't be conformed to this world. 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the word of God, by worshiping Jesus, by, by fellowshipping with the saints. Renew your mind and your spirit. Don't be conformed to the worldly way. Oh, everyone's doing that. Well, you know what? We don't do that. We're different. Colossians 3, 2 says, Now that you've been raised up with Christ, set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. So, for instance, when the world says all roads lead to heaven, it doesn't matter what you believe, just be a good person. When the word of God says, no, the road to heaven is a narrow road. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. You can't get to the Father but through me. Now, you say that in the world, people are going to say, man, you are crazy. That's what the word of God says. That's why the world would hate us, because we have a narrow view of eternal perspectives. When the world says violence and murder and sex and greed, are they're fine. It's, it's, it's entertainment now. And the Word of God says to run away from those things. Don't even think about those things. Don't even put those thoughts in your mind, but flee from those things. When the world says, make up your own morals, your own value system regarding family and husbands and wives and kids and so forth. When the Word of God is very clear, it says husbands... Love your wives. So there's a case for marriage, but anyway. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, love your husbands and submit to them as is fitting. And children, obey your parents. And parents, don't provoke your kids to anger. It's a biblical, godly concept. But the world would say, no, let let the kids do whatever they want to do. And they have their opinions and all that. But I I I would conclude this part by saying, church, know what you believe in. Know what you believe and why you believe what you believe. Find it in the Word of God. Now, how do you get to that point? My experience is you have to be be studying the Word of God. You have to be either in a a Bible study class or come to church all the time and hear sermons and so forth. Read on your own. Get good books to read. But um, I'll tell you what. Our study on Wednesday night uh, regarding Daniel, I, I love it. I love this study. We're studying the Word of God. This will change our worldview. But you have to know what you believe, why you believe it, and be able to articulate what you believe. Be able to say what you believe in your heart and stand on the Word of God. If you do all of that, verse number 13, you'll own verse number 13. The world will not like you. The world will hate what you stand for and who you stand for. And then you say, well, but I want to be loved and all this stuff. Well, you know what? There's, there's a place for that. It's in the body of Christ. You see what I'm saying? So we can't get all that from the world. We've got to get it from, which puts a whole different emphasis on how we get along with one another and how we work together. Which brings me to number two, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up with, with this one. But the second thing regarding the, the Christian way is the litmus test of, of passing from death to life. And I know that's a, a dramatic statement, but uh, I, I told the earlier, earlier service this morning um, that my wife has helped me to appreciate drama. And my kids have helped me to appreciate drama. Everything's like a big deal. You know, everything's like, whoa. But anyway, you're passing from death to life? I mean, years ago, I would just read that and say, oh, yeah. But now I'm thinking, this is dramatic. I was living before, but I was dead before. But I've passed from death to life. And so the question is, how do you know 
that you've passed from death to life. How do you know that you're really in Christ doing what Christ wants you to do? Well, let me tell you one thing. It's not about how much you know in the Bible. It's not about uh, how, how many scriptures you could quote from your memory. It's not how long you pray. It's not how loud you pray. It's not how long or how loud you worship. It's not how good you look. It's not in your clothes. It's not your outfit. It has nothing to do with any of that. The litmus test for passing, of passing from death to life. Well, verse, verse 14, we know we pass from death to life. But verse 16 tells us we know love because he laid down his life for us. The first thing we have to do is, is to understand what Jesus did for us. And so what Jesus did for us, the word of God says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about it. He didn't wait for us to get all fixed up. People say, I have to wait till I get some things cleared up. Man, you're going to be waiting your whole life. While we were still in sin, Christ died for us. You know, I think of my life when I, I, I thank the Lord, I didn't have to wait. I was right where I was. I had this realization that Christ died for me. Jesus said, I lay down my life for you. No one takes it from me. I give it away. He says in 1 Timothy 2.6, speaking about Jesus, Paul says, He gave himself as a ransom for all. All cultures, all language groups, all, all, uh, all uh, races and so forth. He gave his life away. So the first thing we have to understand is we have to know the standard. What's the litmus test for knowing if you pass from death to life? You have to know the standard we're going by. The standard is to understand what Jesus did and realize we're called to copy what Jesus did. So we have to say, okay, verse number 14. We know that we pass from life to death because we love the brethren. Oh, really? That's how we could tell? I can remember in my life very distinctly. The first year or two, I really thought my salvation was all about me and forget about everybody else. I really did. And at some point I realized, well, now that I have this thing with God... I have to be sensitive to people and, and, and help people the best I can. That's when I knew something. That's when my family knew something really changed in me because I was no longer selfish, but now looking at the bigger picture. But how do you know if you, if you love the brethren? How do you know if you love people? How do you know if you're doing this? Everyone says, oh, I love everybody. I don't have any problem with anybody. I, I'm not prejudiced. I, I love everybody. Well, what are you doing about it? I don't do anything, but I don't have a problem with anybody. Well, that's a problem. What, did Je- what if Jesus came and said, ah, I'm just going to live here and you know, have my kosher food and go back to heaven. I'll see you all later. No, he did something. So the question is, what are you doing about it? <laughs> is this okay? Is, are we clear? We have to do something tangible. Like, you know, get up and go to churches. One, no, someone told me that they, they, they were coming to church not so much for themselves. They were coming because maybe someone needed to hear what they had to say to somebody. I said, that's a good come. Maybe you can minister to somebody. You know, sometimes we think we come to church just to come to church. But you never know how God might use you in a church setting to bless somebody else. Or just to see a full house in the house of God is a blessing for people. Amen. You know that that's true. People will leave, man, there are a lot of people in church today. 
And you didn't do anything except go to church, but you were part of the number. That ministers to people. Am I making sense? It's what you do. So how do you figure that? I always say, you know what? Sunday morning church begins on when? Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night. So get ready, get ready on Saturday for Sunday. So then verses 17 and 18 uh, John is giving some tangible ways to, to demonstrate our love for the brethren. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but let us love in deed and in truth. James says, what good does it do? If you see someone who's in need, they need clothes or they need food. And you say, well, God bless you. Stay warm. Have a good day. What good does that do? James says, faith without works is dead. So we see a need, we meet the need, and we do something for somebody. And this really gets interesting when we have this concept in our spirit and we're in a situation where there's people different than us that we're called to love and minister to. To me, it enriches our life experience. The church, first century church was a melting pot with different races, different cultures, different language groups, all working together. And you know they had a hard time at first working that out. The Jewish Christians didn't want to receive the Gentile Christians, and that was a big deal. Then the Gentile Christians, some of them spoke Greek, and some of the Jewish people spoke Greek, and that was an issue too, but they worked it out for the glory of God. So the litmus test, let me be clear, is, is, is if you pass from death to life... If you were once lost and now you're saved, right? Once you were dead in your sins, now you're alive to Christ. How do you prove that? By loving the body of Christ. That's what John is saying. So then I, I, I asked, how, how, do how do we do that? So here, here's one thing, like in a local church setting. How can you tell if you pass from death to life? I, I was going to say, and I will say, to, to, um, to love the people at church. But even before that. How about just getting to know one another? Let's start at the beginning. And, and somehow we're going to have to bridge the gap between the 9 o'clock service and this service. I know there's a huge gap between the two. But just get to know each other would be a great place. to. How can you love someone that you don't know? So in a church setting like this, or you're at home, you're part of the church. But how do you get to know people? You, you say things like, hey, how you doing? How you good to see you today. Glad you could make it to church. You break the ice and you begin to be warm and give, give love to people and welcome people. And you, you, know, you get to know, you know who they are and you really begin to love people and appreciate where people are coming from. And as the old song says, we should sing it one of these days, everybody has a story. Everybody has a song. Everyone's a little different, but we all went wrong. But then Jesus came. And gave us new life. Amen? So, so, you know, in a local church, you, you get to know people, you love people. Let me ask you a question. Do you love missionaries? Now, I'm not going to, I thought, how am I going to handle this? Every, every mission, every November, we have a mission celebration. It's a glorious time. And personally, I want there to be 150 people here. All with the same vision and same purpose and same... You know, awe of what our missionaries are doing. Doug and Caroline, thank you for being here Friday night. New Brothers Fellowship, wonderful uh, presentation. 
and uh, we love you and appreciate you. But I'm, I'm thinking for the whole church to be involved with missions. Now, I know everyone can't come to these things. I, I don't want to be heavy-handed like that. But I want you to see the value of it. This is what we're called to do, church. All this that you see, it's not just to make it look nice. It, it, it tells a story. These are people's faces that need salvation. We're called to love people. Do you love our missionaries? We have 33 of them. We have a, a, a brochure from Friday. All, they're all listed there. Their name, their spouse, where they go to minister. I would, I would say, take that home. Pray over those, that list of people. Get to know their names and your heart. We support them. We give them money every month to do what they have to do. Those lights are extremely valuable. But how do you tell if, you're, if you went from death to life? You get the, you get the picture. And you do something about it. I told you my story early on when they told me about tithing. I told you this. I really thought they made a mistake when they said 10%. I said, no, you can't be right. You know, because I did the math. No, that's way, way too much. But anyway, but then on top of that, you're supposed to give to missions. Oh, I mean, that's not part of the tithe. No, that's not part of the tithe. The tithe is the tithe. This is your offering. I said, oh. And then I realized God wants all of my heart. He wants all of my stuff. He wants all of my resources. And so, you know, do you, do you love missions that much? You know, Doug had shared the other night that the, the New Brothers has a part of their ministry. It's called Hope Mail. What a great idea. They, they're looking for people to write letters to those that are incarcerated. I think one or two of our people said they, they were interested, but is that something anybody could do? You could just do it on your own, do it at home if you want, but do you love the body of Christ enough to take time out of your day to write somebody a letter? You'll get the specifics from, from the Gregans, but, but this is one example of what we can do for the kingdom of God. Can you volunteer at Common Ground, and some of our people are? Can you volunteer at Somebody Cares, or can you volunteer at New Life? Can you offer somebody a ride to church? Or a ride to the doctor. Or a ride to the infamous market basket. You know, can you give someone a ride somewhere? But this is a litmus test of, of whether we're, we pass from death to life. Because if we're not, if we're still in our, if we haven't, we're still self-centered. I don't have time. I can't do that. I don't have money for this. Blah, 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 blah. And the world is going by and the needs are still there. But when you pass from death to life, you reprioritize everything in your life. You figure out a way to get to church. You figure out a way. If you can't come, you figure out a way to get on live stream. You figure out a way to contact people, to stay in touch with people. You figure out a way to study the Word of God. You figure out ways to minister to people beyond what you, you thought you could do. You, you figure out what, you can, what your gifts are. In fact, let me, let me throw this out here. Our brother Tim, our drummer, sitting back there, uh, his last Sunday with us will be next Sunday. He's been called to another church to preach at a, at a Spanish church that has an English portion. He'll be ministering there starting on the, on the 21st. But we need drummers. We need keyboard players. We need piano. We need guitar players. We need a bass player. So do you love the body of Christ enough to put your talents to use in the kingdom of God? You know, do you love, do you love our kids enough to volunteer for kids' church or youth group or nursery? Can you make priorities? Oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. 
Believe me, I understand all of that. I'm busy too. But I'd rather be busy about the things of God than the things of the world. Are you, are you with me, church? Do you feel with my heart today? I, I don't want to be heavy, but I want to just call you out some of passivity and call you into action. It'll be good for you in the long run. And if I don't do this, I'm not fulfilling my part as being a pastor and a teacher. This is what I'm called to do. I have to do it. So Luke, uh, Luke 6 is a great chapter. We're going to wrap this up. But in Luke 6, Jesus is talking about being a giving person. We've been here before. We've talked about this. But he's saying if you see someone in need, give them your, your cloak. Give them your clothes. Give them your food. Give them whatever they need. But he goes on. It's even deeper than that. He says, give away your, your grace. Give away your forgiveness. Give away your mercy. Give your love away. Give what's in your heart. Give it to somebody else and bless somebody. But I, what I'm saying, what John is saying, it's got to start in the house of God. I mean, we do well with everything out there, but what about right here? And so, but, but see, but then everyone right here has to have that I don't know, that unction, that Holy Ghost thing working in them that says, i got to get to church. i got to get involved in the church. I've got to be in the right position to hear the Word of God. I want to support the work of the ministry here. And in that setting, everyone's working out their salvation with fear and trembling, but we're all working together. And in that, the church goes forward. And I know, listen, I know more than in this room probably how hard it is culturally to do church I'm well aware of it I've studied it I'm living it as a pastor after this whole COVID thing a year and a half or two years almost a lot of people they don't want to go to church they don't even want to get on live stream anymore it's a whole other ball game out there we're fighting against the tide I know that but that's what we do and we'll continue to fight against the tide Are you with me? Because look, as a pastor, you know, I was in this class one time and and the teacher, it was about about, uh, counseling. The teacher said, uh, he made these little signs that said, counselors are people too. So counselors have to take care of their mental health, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking, pastors are people too. So pastors, if I don't know you're with me, it makes it hard for me. It makes it difficult. I need to know we're doing this. Like when we have an event or we do something, we are doing this. We are doing this. It's like it's a group effort. And I know you're with me. I, I appreciate that. If you weren't with me, I wouldn't be here. I'll tell you that right now. But anyway, so the litmus test, like how can you tell? You know, a lot of people say all the right things, but when it gets right down to it, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? That's what it comes down to. So anyway, Luke, <laughs> I got sidetracked. Luke 6.38, give, it'll be given back to you measure for measure, pushed down, shaken together, running over will come out of your heart. You'll be blessed by being a blessing so when you make sacrifices to help people, to do something for somebody, you know, so you, you lose a little time, you go out of your way, you spend a little money, all right. And I don't think it's going to kill anybody. But in the process of doing that, you get the blessing. 
And this is the valuable thing I'm trying to communicate. This is what John is saying. You can demonstrate your faith in God by loving each other. But to love each other, you've got to get involved. You've got to engage in people's lives. And yes, people are messy. You're messy. I'm messy. We're all messy. We all have stuff. Come on. Let's not fool ourselves. But we're called to get into it and to work it out together. And we're not going to get the love in the world. It's not going to happen. The love has to come from the body of Christ because the source of our whole movement is the love of Jesus Christ. If we're not, if, if we're not a loving church, all right, if we're not a loving church, we're, we're off the foundation of Christ. If we're on the foundation of Christ, the love automatically comes out. If we're off of it, it's not going to come out. I'm determined to stay on it, but I want everyone to get on it as well. I'll just close with this one scripture from Galatians uh, chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Can you believe that? The law of Christ? I thought we were out of the law. Well, we're out of the law, the Old Testament law, but there are, Paul talks about the law of Christ in a couple of different places, but one of the laws of Christ is to love people, to share each other's burdens. We are our brother's keepers. We are. And that, that's the litmus test. You say you're in Christ, you pass from death to life, show me something. You know, just like I, I like when John the Baptist was baptizing people and the Pharisees came down to the water and he says, oh, look at you. Show me some fruits of repentance. Like, show me something. No, don't just say you're, you, you're right. Show me what you do. Show me what you believe by your actions, by what you do. In the same way, the, the Lord is saying, show, show me and show the world you're sold out to me by what you do for the kingdom of God. Here's the premise. Like, like a, lot of, a lot of times we'll have this, this concept of reaching the lost, and we have to reach the lost, and feeding the, those that are hungry, that are not Christians, and we have to do that too, and, and giving clothes, and do all that we do. We do a lot of stuff downtown Haverhill, we do. But if we're not ministering to the body of Christ, there's like a, there's like a void between the two. It's got to be both. The love has to come out of here and spill out on, onto the community out there. Otherwise, we're just doing good works out there. And you know what? Anyone could do good works. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, non-Christian groups do good works and give food and whatever. But if it's, if it's tempered with the love of Jesus, the good works are much better that way. So I, we, we want a church that's filled with the love of God that does good works. But it's got to start right here in the body of Christ. So bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. I have two more things to talk about, but I'm going to save them for next week because it'll be way too long. Can we stand together? So just in closing this part out, uh, we have that last slide, James. Um, what, what you would think about is, what's your position in the world? Like when people see you and, or they experience you, do they get a vibe that you're just like them or do they get a vibe that you belong to Jesus? And, and what's, what's, the, what's the proof? What are you doing for the kingdom? Every head bowed, please, just for a minute. 
1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So two things here. The Lord is calling us to live a, a life of righteousness. He's calling us to live a life of loving one another. It's an all or nothing proposition. You can't be around the cross and expect the benefits of the cross. You've got to get on the cross. You've got to die to yourself. You can't uh, have the values of the world and the values of Christ in the same package. And sooner or later, they're going to really conflict and do a lot of harm. You can't love the world and love God. I mean, it says if you're friends with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So no one looking around, I just want to ask this question. And, and I, I ask the question and look for a response only because it's healthy for you to give a response. It'll help you. So I'm going to ask for a raising of the hand or just looking at me. But the first part of this was, where do you stand in the world? Are, are, you, are you feeling in your heart of hearts that there's some stuff in your life, you gotta, you got to take care of that because you're too much like everybody else. And, and it's hiding your real faith. People don't even know you're a Christian. You, you're, you're blending in too much. You're too comfortable in the ways of the world. Is there anyone that feels like, I need God's help to break out of that? Anyone like that? Raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Well, I just saw it. Two hands. Is there a third? Is there a, I think there's probably like ten. You see, I'm, I'm saying, look. It's up to you. But don't marvel if, if the world hates you. The world doesn't hate me. I'm just like the world. No, 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 no. You want to be a Christian, you be a Christian. Come on. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. I need help. It's okay to say I need help. It's okay. The Lord loves you. He's just calling you deeper. He loves you. He's calling you out. You know... The, only the Lord knows. Maybe the Lord has something for you to do, and you can't do it until you do this. The second question is, would you pass the litmus test? Would you pass? Would you be convicted of being a Christian? By what you believe and what you do? What's in your heart? So on, on, on that note,
I was asking, I was looking for a way to end the service today, and I thought of several songs we could sing. One was, I Surrender All. One was uh, Resurrecting Me. But I never felt a finalization, so we're not going to sing a song. We're just going to close out with a prayer. But the sentiment of what I'm saying is, God didn't bring us this far to leave us where we are. And I don't care what COVID did to the church. You know what I mean? I don't care about that. We're, we're still a church. We're still a church. Nothing has changed in that regard. We believe exactly the same things we always believed. You know? So we're a little more... Uh, geared towards live stream and technical things like that. So that's good. But the message is exactly the same. Love God and love people. Surrender to God. Put God first in your life. When your church does something, get involved with it. It's for you. We're family. Be committed to a church. If you have to leave the church, do what Brother Tim did. Come talk to me. And next week we're going to pray a blessing over him as he goes forward. That's the way to leave a church. That's the way to do it. But just, you know, give God your heart. Just give him your heart. That's all it is. And when you give God your heart, he will, pre- uh, he will reprioritize your life radically, including your money. But it all demonstrates who, who owns your heart. Well, I'm going to pray. If anyone wants to come up to the altar, you can do that. Uh, Feel free as I start to pray. Just come up here. Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I feel like today's been like a little bit of a whirlwind in my heart. Worship was good. We we touched your throne and we sensed your Holy Spirit. Some words were given and, and it's all good, Lord. Then we had communion and that was good too. And Everything's good, but Lord, in my heart of hearts, I'm feeling like a little stirring. That, uh, Lord, as Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. I feel like, Lord, you're saying to the church, stir up the gift that's in you. You, you're, You're all gifted. You're all blessed. But stop being lackadaisical. The time is short. Oh, and Lord, we're in this pandemic and... Everyone's upset about the vaccination and the mask and this and that and who's going where and who's saying what and political things are an issue. Everything's an issue. But Lord, in the midst of it all, there's the word of God. There's Jesus Christ in the midst of everything, Lord. And we want to stay focused on your love and your your commitment to your church and your church's commitment back to you. Oh, God, Paul says it's it's like a marriage between a husband and a wife. The church and and, and Jesus, it's it's the bridegroom and the bride. We love each other. We, 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 We give our lives to each other. Father, I pray for that to happen here at New Life. I pray for those on live stream to have a total conversion. Be converted to Christ. Everything, our thoughts, our, 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 our intellect, our money, our, our, what we, our giftings, our talents, all converted to Jesus Christ. So, Lord, these are, these are difficult days, Lord. But on the other hand, these are great days. 
These are great days to test the things of God. And Lord, I find you faithful every single step of the way. Absolutely, you are faithful and you are good. And I know, Lord, your eyes are still moving to and fro across the whole earth looking for somebody who's faithful. Oh God, may it start here. May it start today. On this, on this first uh, Sunday of November, eight Sundays left, after the, seven after this one. Lord, we're making a commitment. Well, these seven, eight Sundays left in this year, we're going to consecrate to you, Lord, and trust that you will speak to this congregation and get us ready for something radical in the new year. So, Lord, we surrender. We give up. We give up the fight. Lord, you are first. You deserve all the glory. You deserve all the respect and all the honor because you provide everything, Lord. You are everything. And so we surrender all of our heart to you today. Lord, for those that raise their hands, hallelujah. Bless them. Encourage them, oh God. But Lord, for each and every one of us, let us, as Paul said, let us run this race with endurance. Let us not stop off by the wayside for a gallon of water when the world is passing us by. Lord, give us the unction of your spirit to stay on track in the midst of these difficult days that we live in. But Lord, these are good days because the opportunities are countless. And Lord, thank you for those missionaries on Friday night. Thank you for the Gregans, their work in the prison system. Thank you, Lord, for Michael Brown and his family packed up and went to Bolivia, of all places, Bolivia to do a work, working with the deaf population, working with other people. Lord, bless their work. Judy Mensch, what what a vision for children. Lord, you've gifted her. She's given up everything. She's packing up and going to Spain. Bless her, Lord. And Lord, for Rick and Julie Strumpfler, thank you for our dear brother and sister that are working in India, organizing teams to go to a a people group where, what, 2% of the people are Christians in the whole nation. Out of billions, 2% are Christians. Lord, they're going there to plant seeds of faith and to trust you for multiplication. Lord, bless them. And Lord, help us to get the vision that we're, we're involved in them. We're, we're involved in their ministry. We pray for them. We give money to them. Help us, Lord, to let us cast our nets out deeper to get the vision. And let us see what you're doing through our efforts, Lord. Lord, not, not to forget, Lord, we pray blessings over common ground right here in Haverhill, leaving the streets right here in Haverhill. Somebody cares New England, new brothers, Lord, bless them, bless them. And, and Salvation Army, Pregnancy Care Center, Lord, bless them all for the glory of God. But Lord, uh, as, as this message is, is geared for a new life, Lord, I think this is a message for the, all, the, all the churches in town that are, that are striving to do your will. Lord, let the church of Jesus Christ rise up and let us not compromise in our faith, Lord. Let us be sick and tired of the world. We'll change the way we think. We'll change what we do to give you more time in our lives. Oh, God, help us with that. Help us with that, Lord. Father, I, I thank you for the, the title of this message, these messages these weeks, the Christian way. It's the Christian way. It's a narrow way. It's a, it's a way of, of self-denial. It's a way of sacrifice. But it's the best way. It's the best way. So, Lord, I, the word's been given. And now, Lord, it's all it's in your hands. It's in the hands of the people here and on live stream to do what what you want us to do. So we thank you. We praise you. Hallelujah. 
We pray, Lord, for a good day. But let us not let us not move far away from this sense of your presence right here, even as we go about our business. Bless our prayer meeting tonight. Bless the live stream. Bless the prayer meeting on Monday night. Bless the live stream on Tuesday and Thursday. Bless the, the Zoom meeting at 12 o'clock on Wednesday. Bless the Wednesday night Bible study. Bless the ladies meeting on Friday night. Lord God, I pray for 50 ladies to show up that will prioritize Friday night. The ladies are getting together. I'm going to be there. It's my church. I'm going to be there. And so I, I just pray, Lord, your blessing over Pamela and others that will be ministering. Let your word go forward on that night. And we thank you and we praise you for it. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I, I just, uh, you don't know me. My name is Doug Reagan. Maybe you do know me. But I, I just have two things I'd like to exhort. Uh, I don't know who raised their hands in response to this, uh, this altar call today. But I'm telling you, leave in, uh, leave committed to follow through on whatever the Holy Spirit has spoken to you to come out of the world. Get serious about that because the world plays for keeps. The world plays for keeps. Get accountable with someone. Maybe you need to be accountable to somebody in what that means to you. Find somebody. Find a brother. Find a sister and say, this is what the Lord is dealing with me. I want to come out. Will you help me? Will you walk with me? Right? Pastor said, build relationship. This is how we do it. Get serious about walking out the Christian life. And finally, I want to say, I just, I'm just trying to be obedient. Young people, all right? There's some young people here today. Amen. Whatever young people means by that loose definition, the world is the world place for keeps. It's time to get serious and fall in love with Jesus. And, and get serious about that, all right? The culture, what the world has to, has to offer you is paltry. It is empty. It is vapid. It will not produce life in you. And I just challenge you today, come out of this world. Young people, come out of this world. Follow Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus Christ. So that's my prayer for you today. Amen. Thank you, Doug. Okay. One, one last prayer. Here we go. Lord... Bless them. May your peace shine upon us. And Lord, may you give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altars are open if you need prayer. So come and...